So we're talking um, about wholeness for the last several weeks, and uh, I hope that God has uh, kind of sparked something in your heart for more. Remember the first Sunday we talked about the fact that God gave us an abundant life? Remember that? We talked about how that abundance was something bigger than we could ever imagine, but we also said in that first series uh, sermon, we said, we need to start expecting more. And I think what limits us a lot of times is our expectations about what we think and perceive that God's going to do or won't do. And because we don't get in the Word as much as we should, or we don't have the, the, the flow of God's life in us, and we're in this world a lot, and I think being in this world t- can bring us down to its level. And we can live at the world's level, not live where God wants us to live at His level. Are you with me? So I want you, uh, as we're going through today, I, I want you to keep in mind that we are talking about a, a gift of God, a life that God has for us. You know, as I was thinking about um, the, this series that we've been going through, I kept thinking the Lord's Prayer came to my mind. You all know the Lord's Prayer, right? And it just hit me in a different way this week as I was thinking about it. The part where it says, thy kingdom come. What's the next one? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now, currently is in heaven. So I want to break down those words. Just I want you to get this idea of a progressing kingdom, a progressing transformation, a progressing church that is growing and growing stronger and stronger. Guys, God is not coming back for a week wimpified, barely making it, dead church. He's coming back for a church that's functioning in his spirit and in his power. Okay? So I want to I get rid of some traditional teaching that I succumbed to in my life and was taught, and I'm starting to break that off of my mind theology because a lot of us grew up thinking that you get saved, and you just hold on, and you live your life, and then it's going to get real bad on earth, right? Right? Because it's supposed to get real bad, and then right at the last second, God's going to snatch us away just before it gets bad. Right? Is, I don't know about you, but that's the theology that I grew up with in my church. I was a part of a friend's church. It's an evangelical uh, denomination, uh, not spirit-filled. The gifts were for the old days. Uh, great church, believed in people getting saved, uh, loved, loved growing up in the church. But my theology got to the point where I just got saved and that was pretty much it. You, you know, you did good stuff and you tried to get other people saved. But basically you were kind of just waiting with not much to do besides make sure you tell people about Jesus, which is a good thing. But then you were waiting because any day now something was going to happen in Israel and, oh, and it was going to get bad. And stuff was going to start getting bad, and then the mark of the beast was going to come out. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of wait around, waiting for this to happen. And it's like, the church today has a lot of people just sitting there, waiting, staring at Israel. Oh my gosh, another rocket went into Israel, that means that God's coming back. You know, and there's a lot of hype, and trust me, it's easy to get caught up into as evangelical Christians, because we all want Jesus to come back, and he is coming back. He is returning. He is returning for his church. 
but we are not to be waiting around watching on the news to see if something's happening so that something good's going to happen later. We are to be the good makers. We're to be the power of God in this world doing his will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it consistently right now and has been forever and ever in heaven. We are to pray in, we are praying in, in the Lord's Prayer, his kingdom rule, his kingdom culture, his kingdom ways, his kingdom principles, his kingdom lifestyle, his kingdom power, everything that is in heaven, the way heaven is, which is a place, not just a cloud in some distant, you know, smoke. It's a real place. God lives there, and he has creatures around him, an amazing creation. We are to pray his perfect rule and reign become reality here. So let me ask you a question. Is the kingdom of God progressively becoming stronger in the kingdom of Brad, in Brad's realm, in Brad's influence, Will, in your influence, Bob, in your influence, Mike, in your area, in your area that you work in, is God's kingdom being more and more reflected day over day in your life, and is there evidence to prove that? That should be progressively happening in your life where God is transforming you and changing you, and you see more evidences of the kingdom of God, because check this out, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So what is God's will? That is kingdom come to earth in all its fullness. So God's will is that the kingdom of heaven be fully manifested here on earth. And that every principle, practice, everything that's going on in heaven, he wants to be going on in here in, on earth. As it is in heaven, thy kingdom come. Thy will, Father, we're praying to the Father. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. So we're talking to the Father. Your will be done. God's will is for his kingdom to be manifested on the earth. And Jesus said, look, guys, the kingdom's here. It's within you. My kingdom lives in you. Do you know that the perfect realm of the kingdom of heaven is in your heart and is, you are one with God? The power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives in you. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in you. And God wants you to disperse that kingdom power out into the realm of where you live and the people you know. He wa you want to be an, a, a change agent, a healing agent, a setting free agent, a deliverant agent of the kingdom. You are agents. You are ambassadors. Amen. Are you or are you not? We are. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. You have been called to go forth and to preach the gospel. Not just say, hey, will you accept Jesus in your heart? That's only a little part of the gospel. An important part, but not the fullness of the gospel. The gospel is a power unto salvation. The gospel is Jesus Christ died and crucified for your complete salvation, wholeness, deliverance, safety, help. He, he's, he want, he's given you all you need in this life to bring the kingdom here. So in our talk on, a, on, on wholeness, on our talk on, on bringing God's abundant life, we have to keep in mind that his kingdom is progressing more and more and more here on earth. It should be going that way. And if you look at history, check it out. The, the church uh, uh, was established 
The Holy Spirit fell. The disciples went out. The church started growing. They hit a massive dark age where there wasn't much happening at all. No, no revelations, no miracles, nothing. Then slowly, from the dark ages, we've come out, and God has been restoring what the locust has eaten. He's been restoring what's been damaged in the past, and he brought back through all the revivalists and, and Luthers and all the great men of God that have brought back different aspects of the kingdom. And you see the kingdom that, that Christ started going and being in a dark age where there was no records of much happening. And then from then on, it's been increasingly coming back to its fullness. It's been increasingly coming back. Early 1900s, we got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, miracles. I'm telling you, church, the, the church should be and is growing to take over this planet. We are to take over this planet and prepare it and get it ready for our king. So when he comes back, he's like, oh, this reminds me of just like heaven. Good job. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth where we live as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. Are we just praying words? Or are we really thinking, wait, I should probably be a part of the answer of this prayer, right? I'm praying, Lord, let your will be done on earth. I pray that for my mom. Lord, let your will be done in Virginia's life as it is in heaven. And I know in heaven, cancer is, doesn't exist. So that's what I'm praying for. I'm leaning towards that. And I want you to understand, church, that we as, as individual believers should be having the kingdom of God coming in our life. You guys are ambassadors. You guys, remember we talked about the word apostle? Remember what the word apostle meant? That they, the Greek empire would send out apostles because that was a word used before the Bible used it. They would send out an apostle to a land that they had conquered. And that apostle's job was to ready that area to look just like the kingdom that conquered it. Jesus conquered this earth belonged to Satan. He got it by right through sin. It belonged to him. It was his domain. Christ came back, fulfilled the law, died in our place, and got back the keys, the authority of the kingdom. So he reclaimed this planet for the Father. Are you with me? So this kingdom now belongs to Jesus Christ by right. It is his by legal right. Jesus paid the price. He, paid every, he obeyed every law. He was perfect in every way. He was tempted just like we were, yet without sin. He made every jot and tittle of the law. He accomplished it. And he bought us back the right so that you and me could have new life in us and be apostle agents to the world. Everyone, you're an apostle to your household. You're an apostle to your workplace. You're an apostle wherever you're at. You're an ambassador going forth with the authority and the power of the kingdom of heaven that you've been praying for to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's will. Are you with? That's God's will. He wants heaven's kingdom here in your life and you experiencing it. Whew. But it just doesn't happen because you show up to church. It just doesn't happen because you raised your hand 10 years ago and got saved. It happens as you surrender. Remember we talked about the journey and the process of becoming whole, the process of taking what was broken and being it put back together. Our life is that journey, and we're all in that journey, putting back the pieces so that we become all that God's created us to be. Now, wholeness, 
What we've learned so far, we've talked about is sozo. We remember the name. I want, I've said this every week. I'm going to say it again. Sozo is the Greek word for saved. And we looked at that. It was not just about getting fire insurance. It was more than just having a place in heaven and being saved from this earth. Sozo was more of fullness of healing. Remember, deliverance, protection, to be made whole. I like another word that's used in a, a translation, rescued. God rescued us. And so Sozo saved, God's plan for you to save you was more than just to get you out of hell. It was to give you life, an eternal life now. God wants his life operating in and through you today, not when you go to heaven. He wants it now. He's training you. He's, you're going to be Jesus to the world. Do you realize that that's his plan? You and me are his plan. He does not have a plan B. You and me are plan A. He chose before the foundations of the world to preach and administer his love and reconciliation through you and me to this world. If we don't do it, no one does it. Will you do it? Will you take up the call? Will you answer God's call in your life to be a change agent for him, a loving hand to your neighbor, a healing hand, a prayer warrior hand, a deliverance hand, a healing hand? You have it in you. But remember, it's a progressive transformation. This transformation doesn't take place in an instant. If that were so, all of us would be all there and we'd probably be in heaven already, which would be cool, but didn't work that way. It's progressive transformation. It's a journey. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now look at that, church. As beholding the glory of God, the greatness of God, we are being transformed as we surrender to him our life, as we conform to his ways, as we're transformed, Greek word metamorphos, right? We're transformed from the inside out to become more and more like him every day. Every day we should be waking up. Remember the first session on holiness. I belong to God. I live to serve you a surrendered life. So we are being transformed progressively one degree to the next. God is line by line, precept by precept in our hearts and in our lives, changing us to make us to the fullness of what his calling is on our life. Then we looked at uh, wholeness is holiness. We looked at this because holiness, remember, was the first step into walking in this type of life. If you want to walk in the fullness of God, if you want to see the power of God operating through your life, you've got to start with holiness. Holiness isn't a nasty word. <laughs> it's about being separated unto something or someone. Holiness means that you belong to God, that you live to serve God. Holiness means oneness with the character of God. Holiness is about becoming one with God's character. When you start identifying yourself as his, you belong to him. You are his. He's purchased you. He's bought you. You belong. Your whole body, soul, and spirit are his. He's, he's purchased you with a price. And it's interesting because we then talked about the covenant, and that was a powerful time of realizing that we are in this amazing agreement with God. That God has an amazing contract with us not that he needed a contract, but he thought it would be good for us to know that we had this amazing agreement that's written in blood 
that he would hold to no matter what. Are you with me? The covenant was so powerful, and God gave us many covenant names that would help describe his agreements in this covenant. And we looked at holiness, and we know the covenant name Jehovah Sidkenu, which means his righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. He is our holiness. We can never achieve what he wants us to do without him. And so God, in, in our holiness and our separation unto him, made sure that we had the ability to be right standing with God through the blood of Jesus and the work of the Lord. So the, the covenant name of Jehovah Sidkenu, uh, it's spelled kind of weird, you know, just make it up. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong anyway, so it pronounced it, uh, the, the Hebrew is much a uh, hard language to speak. But um, that word is a covenant name that we can call on. So when you're feeling down and low and you're feeling like you've messed up, you call on Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. Oh, Lord, you are my righteousness, I've messed up again. Lord, I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me of sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Lord, you are my righteousness. You make me in right standing and good standing. Like Pastor Chris said this morning, we can come into the presence boldly before God, not because we've deserved it or earned it, but because we come in the Lord's righteousness. We come in a right standing with him because of the finished work of Christ. Then we went on to wholeness. We talked last week about wholeness being equivalent to health. That health and freedom from disease was included in the work of Calvary. It wasn't just forgiving our sins, but it was also healing and freedom from pain and disease. And really, truly, it was the power and the authority to overcome those. Wholeness is health. Jesus, remember, destroyed the works of the devil. That is what we learn. We learn that Jesus came to do what he did, and he did it. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and he accomplished what he came to do. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. We also learn that the source of sickness and disease was from the pit of hell, right? Clear. We went over three, four, five scriptures, and there's a lot more if you need them, to convince yourself that sickness and disease is from hell hell. It's birthed out of, out of Satan's heart. It's a rebellious thing. It's an anti-God uh, creation thing. Your bodies were not created to do what happens when disease comes upon it. And Christ set us free. Then we look, your next point there is oneness. We saw that wholeness uh, with health was coming into oneness or an alignment with the life of God, with his actual life sustenance, the life flow of God. God is eternal life for every part of you, body, soul, and spirit. And then we got the cool name, another covenant agreement name that came with that, and that was Jehovah the healer. Right, Jehovah Rapha, the healer. So God said, hey, I'm going to give my covenant name so you know this agreement is good, and you can call on me and Jehovah Rapha, and I'll remember, oh, yeah, I got a covenant with these guys, and I said I'd be their healer, so I'm going to do this. So look at Ephesians 20, and I'm going to put some stuff up here while you guys are turning there on your phones. Ephesians 3.20, I want to revisit some stuff that we talked about, but I want to give you an illustration that you can see a little better. Hopefully that stays up there. We wouldn't want God to fall. That would be kind of not very good. Oh, actually, this needs to go up here. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Bless you. So I want to, remember we talked about the soul-body connection and how important that was, that the soul was the central place that we need to guard, that in the soul, it's where it all happens. And so we talked about it in the soul, and I want to read Ephesians 3.20. Because remember, this is a process of becoming whole. It's a process of coming to wholeness. And it's as we work on our soul is how we become whole. Look at uh, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, in some translations, imagine, according to the power that works within us. So check this out. Paul is saying that Christ, the work of Calvary, is able to do through that work more in us than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. In fact, not just more, but abundantly more. It's, it's kind of like um, Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond, right? It's abundantly more. It's not just more or times, of, it's like, I love you to infinity and back or to the moon and back. It's unmeasurable that God can do in us and work in us. But his work and all that power and goodness is only going to work to the degree or according to his spirit working in you. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So as we look at the the soul of, of man, we see that the intersection of the soul right here is interesting. I put it at the, at the cross because this is where the action happens, right? So we have God, all the power, all the goodness of God is flowing down. It's flowing down. Everything we need, the Bible says, he's given us for life and godliness. Everything you need to operate in the spirit, God's flowing down. At the rebirth, you got a brand new spirit. Remember, your spirit and the Lord's spirit are one, right? You're perfect. That's why we can say, I am perfect in Christ, because our spirit being is one with Jesus, is reborn again, and is one with God. So our spirit man being perfect. Now our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, the seat, our heart, where our heart is, where we make these critical decisions can get out of alignment. Our soul can be shifted off by, remember the roadblocks, bad teaching, uh, tough things that happen in life. Remember all the roadblocks that could come in, uh, bad theology, the traditions of men, our, our, our denominational stuff that we get stuck on thinking so important. That's why there's 52 million Baptist churches, because they kept dividing on little points and, and created a lot of division. Our souls can get off of adjustment, and therefore, we, we wonder a lot why God says all this great stuff in his word, and we know it's true, but then our, our life, we don't experience it. We don't experience this health, and we don't experience this peace in our hearts. We don't experience, we're, we're not, we, we don't feel like we're overcomers. We feel like we're the tail and not the head, even though the Bible clearly says we're more than conquerors in Christ. But yet we don't experience that, so we make justifications down here in our, in our mind, part of our mind and our body. Well, I guess this is the way it is, and we try and transform this. We try and make this work, this dysfunction work. You know, it's kind of like I think of a, of a waterfall, and I think, of a, I think a lot of Christians walk around with unbelieving umbrellas. 
And just imagine a waterfall flowing from God, flowing down, right? A continuous waterfall giving life, right? It's life flowing down. And all we need to do, church, is walk underneath the flow. The flow's there. We don't have to, oh, God, touch my body, help me, help me. No, God's like, I am life. Come and drink it. It's all there. We're not waiting for God to do anything. Jesus said, it is finished. He's done, guys. Every promise of God, every, every covenant, old and new, it can be yours and is yours through Christ Jesus. But many of us, we, like in our unbelief, we walk around with an umbrella. And we, we, our soul and our body, because it hasn't been renewed, we've got, God, I'm a Christian. Where's the water? I want more of you, God. Pour out on me. Bring me life, God. Give me clarity. Give me vision. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And we sit there and go, God's not answering me. Where's the water? Church, life is there. God is there. God's in this room right now in all his glory and power. And all you have to do to get is surrender the umbrella and just simply walk under the waterfall and receive by faith. You see, our traditions, our mind, our soul can keep us, by believing lies about God, can keep us out of the waterfall, the flow of God's life, the abundant life, the wholeness, the health, all the things that God has for us are there willing, but we need to adjust the soul to get an alignment with the Spirit of God and Him living in us. And then if our soul gets in alignment, then all of a sudden our body starts changing. Our mind starts changing. The peace that passes all understanding can now come and guard our hearts and minds because we've got rid of the unbelief and doubt of an umbrella and we've stepped in by faith. Do we do? No, no work involved. No effort. We just got to go, yeah, well, there it is. Heal me, heal me, God, heal me. Okay, Doug, take two steps over and you got it. No, Lord, I, I need to be healed here where I am doing what I'm doing. I don't want to give up that one little thing I do that no one else knows about. So just heal me, God, because you're full of grace and mercy. Right? Right? Jesus loves me. It's grace. It's grace. Just be in grace. Right? Uh, there, what's the deal? There's an obedience gap here. Oh, I'm in grace. I can get whatever. I'm just, I'm just going to do whatever I want. God loves me. I don't, I'm not worried about him. No, 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 no. Heal me, God. God's saying, I have. It's there. It's flowing. Step into it. And we say, I can't. I want to believe what I want to believe. I want to do my will. The, the, the Satanic Bible's number one commandment is do what thou wilt. When we say we do what thou wilt, we come into agreement with the devil. Hell's kingdom says, do what thou wilt, do what feels good, do it your way, don't submit, have pride. And God says, dump that and just walk in, you'll get everything I got. So all we have to do is give up and say, God, no, not my will. Jesus, God said, die on the cross. And Jesus said, go, is there any way around this? This is tough, but not my will. Your will, God. Yeah. And then he died on the cross. 
This is the intersection where he gave us the ability through his death for our soul to be adjusted and come into an alignment and start receiving God's power and actually letting God's power flow through you to your body to love people, to pray for people, to feed people, to help people get healed, to deliver, all that good stuff. That's an abundant life. That's what I want you and me and our church together to start walking in that, but it needs some soul work, some humility, some soul readjustments to get your soul in line with God's word. So we're going to talk about some of that today. But I want to get into the third aspect of wholeness today. And the third aspect of wholeness is provision. And it even, the better word for it really is prosperity. But that's such a, a church scary word. Because we have a prosperity gospel that was preached. And because of their dysfunctions and the way they handled it, they messed it up and gave it a bad name. So now everyone that hears, what, God wants you to prosper? Satan, get away from me. God doesn't want me to prosper. He wants me to be poor, sick, and on medicine, and never getting whole, and a horrible example to the world around me. Get away. Sorry if I offended you. <laughs> but God's plan for you is complete provision. This demonstration right here shows this to the T. Complete provision. Everything you need God has provided for you. And we're going to look at some verses that just clearly outright say it. The next number one there, oneness, coming into wholeness in provision or being prosperous in your spiritual life. Now, when I say prosperity or prosper, I want you to understand it's not about money. It's about all of it, including money. Prospering, being prosperity in your mind, your heart, being prosperous in your body, and even in your spirit as far as prospering with God to where the flow happens. Because the spirit is at war with this. And so for the spirit to prosper, it has to say, spirit has to go, uh-uh, hey, I'm in charge. We're going to fast. And the body's like, no, no, I want to eat. Feed me, feed me. More ice cream. And the spirit's got to say, no, 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 no. I'm in charge. I have God's backing. Soul, get in alignment. Submit your will. Body, you're going to do what I tell it to do. You've got to train your body to listen to your spirit. Your spirit doesn't want to listen to anybody but itself. Your body wants to listen to the five senses. Smells good. Tastes good. Sounds good. Feels good. Is there one more? Looks good. Thank you. The two avenues, those are all avenues to the soul, but the two main avenues to the soul are here and here. That's why the Bible says guard your heart or your soul, guard your soul by what you put in front of your eyes and what you allow to come in your ears. This is the only way the world system and Satan comes in through your ears or eyes. This is where the enemy, this is where a demon can speak to you as a thought and you think it's you, but it's not. A spirit, a spirit, a demon can speak here. He can't speak here. This, he doesn't speak because he's spirit. Spirit and flesh are opposites. He's got to speak. He's speaking right here. Hey, you're no good. Hey, you're a loser. You're never going to make it. It's going to fail. 
And so this is where the soul, you have to manage this. That's why Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obey Christ, right? Take every thought captive and make it bow to the name of Jesus. So the soul is an important place where we need to manage and control because if it's not, if it's left to its own devices, it's going to go wicked. Because that's where uh, uh, Mark 7, I believe, says, out of the heart comes that. Remember when Jesus was talking about um, being unclean or not, and they, the disciples thought he was talking about what they ate and food? He's like, guys, it's not about what you eat that makes you unclean. It has nothing to do with that. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean. And so that's an important thing, and that's the soul. That uncleanliness will come up there, and that's where you have to go, oh, no, that's not me. You have to make that decision in your will. So wholeness and provision or being prosperous is oneness with the resources of God. And the covenant name for that is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Get that in your hearts. He will provide. Now, sometimes not in the way you think. And this is where it kind of gets interesting because in, in, um, in Deuteronomy, it um, it says this, it says, you remember the story, Abraham and Isaac, right? God said, hey, go kill your son. Huh? Okay, you're God, I'm going to do what you think. So God was testing him, and, and so Abraham got his son, and they took the journey, and they went out there, and, you know, he was pretty nervous, right? Did you know Abraham was expecting his son to die and then be raised back to life? That, that's what he was believing, but that's a different story. Um, so Abraham lifted up his eyes in verse 13 and looked, and behold, uh, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by, the thorn, by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name, uh, the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, if you look at this word provide, because a lot of a context of that word is that we ask and God just gives us whatever we're asking or wanting. And it's interesting because if, we, if you look at the word, the, the word is most translated, as you see in number one under the three aspects of provide, the number one translation uh, mostly is sees. The Lord sees. And I want you to think of that because number one, God First of all, in his provision for you, he sees your need. He is aware of your need. He sees it. He knows it. He knows the beginnings and the ends. He knows the context. He knows and sees what you really need. A lot of times we pray, oh, God, give me this and that. But God sees beyond what your own desires are and sees what's the best for you with eternity in mind. Because God can look down at you and go, I see you. I see your whole life all in one shot. I see before you're born and after you're dead. I see the whole thing. So let me be your provider because I am Jehovah who sees. That requires trust. God, I trust you. My, in my little infinite spot on my timeline here in my life, I go, oh, no, I really need this, God, right now. And he says, I know you feel that way, but I am Jehovah that sees all of it. I see your whole life beginning to end, and I know what's best. You've got to really trust me here but I will provide for you. That's the first aspect of the word. Another uh, word that is translated from that uh, Hebrew word is God understands. Jehovah who understands. So he not only just sees and is aware, but Jehovah God understands your need. He understood Abraham. He understood that he was giving up his own son 
to die to obey God. That was a big deal. And Jehovah understood the situation, all the aspects of it, and understood that. And it's good to know that God does understand. Because a lot of times we think because he's God, he can't really because he's not us, but yet he can. He sees and he understands. The other way the word is used is reveal. Jehovah will reveal. God will reveal at the right time. You know, sometimes we ask for a need. We ask for something and we don't get it in our timing. And I bet you Abraham was like, yeah, uh, God, why don't you go ahead and provide that? Right now? No, 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 no. Stop! Abraham had the knife, was going to kill his own son. And the angel said, no, no. I, he revealed the ram, the substitute, the sacrifice, just at the right time. The Lord will reveal to you. And maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're asking God for things. Maybe you're wondering if he's going to provide for you. I want you to think of God's provision in a new way, that he sees, that he understands, and he will reveal at the right time. He, under, he knows you guys. He loves you. Listen to 1 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whoa, 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 whoa. God, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God's divine power is pouring out everything we need for life. The word for life is zoe. It means, it means life spiritually and physically. God's life is being supplied for everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need to be spiritual, everything you need to connect to God, everything you need to do in God, walk in God's will is being provided for his divine power. Now check this out. His divine power has granted us to all, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge. Now this isn't knowledge of learning facts. This knowledge in, in, the, uh, in the Greek is talking about coming into a knowing. In fact, the roots of this word are in ganasko, which means an intimate, close knowing, but it's through the, uh, the appropriating, the knowledge of God coming into that from one point in time to knowing, this is where it happens, church. You want his divine power and godliness? It happens as you grow in the knowledge where your mind, will, and emotion is. It's not about just knowing a fact or not. It's about coming to know him as a person. It's coming into the knowledge of the relationship through Christ, and through that relationship, his divine power is accessed. Are you with me? That's why the soul work is so important. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Christ, who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us very precious and great promises, so that through them you may be partakers of his divine nature. Let that say la that. Think about that. So that you could be a partaker of his divine nature. As we adjust the soul, submit it to God's word, every time we see something in the word that we're not in alignment with, we get into alignment, we repent, and we come into alignment. God, you're right. I'm, my thinking was wrong on that. I saw that in the word when I read this morning. I come into alignment with your thinking. We adjust this. We are able to operate in his divine power. His divine nature can flow 
through, down us, and we can walk in his divine nature. Everything you need, guys, is in his presence. Everything you need lives inside your heart. God has every... You know, <laughs> God doesn't run out of power. I want you to think about this. In fact, I got to admit, I had some incorrect thinking that the Holy Spirit had to school me on the other day. So I was praying for my mom, right? She's, she's going to die if God don't show up. And, and she's in hospice house, which means it's a nice place to die. And so I'm praying for her, believing God. No, I'm believing for a miracle. And the thought came in my head, and I'm kind of embarrassed, but my thought came in of, God, is, is this, you know, is this, you know, my mom's a big deal to me, of course, but, man, this is a big miracle. Like, is, is this an important enough time to do this? Or the thought was like, should I save it for another time? I can't describe it, and it just, it's, a, it's a thought process where, and, and I began to think about it, and the Holy Spirit said, what do you, what do you say? Like, what do you think? I was like, I don't know, that's weird. And he's like, he's like you, you're not, there's no, there's no battery default in me. Like, my meter never runs low or even blips. Healing your mom is nothing to me. That's just, I don't even notice it. I, he's God, endless in supply. His supply never runs out. And so I thought, well, why was I thinking that? Well, if you think about the world system of how they view power or magic or those type of things that, that the world views it, it always talks, it always uh, leads to, well, that's a big thing. Well, I can he I'll, I'll heal a little scratch, but if I have to do something bigger, it takes more out of them. And so if you if you've seen any movies of that type, you'll see that the world system means that there's, ne there's nobody with unlimited resource. Whatever power they have, whatever superhero you look at, there's some way to defeat them. There's some way they run low. There's never, no, not one of them that has a never-ending power supply and unlimited resource. And that's your Jehovah Jireh. You serve a God who never runs empty, who never, oh, so, you know what, can you wait till I recharge? Or you know what, I love your mom, but wouldn't we rather hear, heal this little kid over here with cancer? That thought doesn't even need to be in your mind. And so God really restored, and, so, and it was weird, because I didn't know I thought that, but it came into my mind, and I, where, and I was like, that doesn't, what? And so I asked the Holy Spirit to correct me, and he did. He said, I never run out. I never run out of power. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. My God will supply every, minus no, not one, every need that you have. So having lack is an alignment problem. Mm -hmm. I know that's tough to hear. If you have lack in your life, oh yes, financial lack, Emotional peace lack, if you're sleeping, stinks, you name it. If there's lack, it's an alignment problem. You get your alignment corrected, you will start to see healing in that area. Because my God, your God, your God, Jehovah, the provider, will supply every need of yours according to how rich he is. Oh yeah, and he never runs dry. 
His supply never runs short. He doesn't need time to restock. He doesn't need time to plug in. He's always charged forever and ever. The Lord said in the beginning, he said, let there be light. And he spoke those words out. And ever since he said that until this day and still going on, light bursted out in every direction and is continuing to go. It's never stopping. Because God never said, light, oh, light, stop, right there, and then that's the end of the universe. No, he said, light, be. He gave the command, and and it's ever expanding. That's how powerful your God is. So when you have a need, know that he sees, understands, and reveals, but know that he will provide. And if he doesn't, I want you to start looking. Instead of making up other excuses or justifying where you're at or making, uh, justifying your belief system where you're at, say, hmm, I have lack in this area. I wonder if it's an alignment problem in my heart. I wonder if there's an issue where I need to get in more alignment with what God's word says because it's his word that brings power. And when you align your heart with what God says, you will experience more of God's life in you. Listen to uh, Ephesians. Again, we we talked about that. Ephesians 3.20. He's able to do abundantly what we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's an alignment issue, guys. Guys, prosperity, we've talked about uh, prosperity, but in our minds, I know a lot of us go to money, but prosperity is not about having money. But I want to tell you what prosperity, godly prosperity really is. Godly prosperity is, it is this, having all your needs met and the ability to bless others. Godly prosperity is that you have enough and supplied all your needs and the ability to bless others. Now, a lot of you, oh, well, I don't need much. There is a poverty spirit that comes into Christians and says, if you're really godly and you want to be spiritual, revel in your poor, poorness. Revel in that, and then you, somehow that's spiritual. See, what happened is instead of making the adjustment here, because we have lack in an area, we justify it and make it that, the, the spiritual thing. Well, I, I'm not experiencing the abundant life, so... I'm, nothing's wrong with me. I'll just stay where I'm at in my not experiencing the abundance life, and then I'll just call that spiritual, spiritualness. Are you with me? A lot of people do that, church. I'm sure a lot of us, including myself, have been and are guilty in areas of believing, trying to justify where we're at, justify our experience, justify the past, justify things that are happening, or the way we think, the way we've been raised, and we justify it, and we stay in this unhealthy place, unadjusted place, we're not experiencing God's life, and we call it spiritualness, or we call it holiness, or we call it, I'm just, I'm just taking another one for Jesus. God don't need you to take one for Jesus. Jesus took it all. He took all the blows. You don't need to take one for the team. Jesus already took it for the whole team, once and for all. You don't need to play the martyr and say, woe is me, I'm suffering for Jesus. You are not suffering for Jesus. If you are in lack, according to his word, you are out of alignment. If you want to get in alignment with God, you will start seeing God's blessing flow in every area, in your spirit, soul, and body. Because it's about having your needs met, but it's the ability to be a blessing to others. What are your needs? Some people say, well, I just need a tent and I could live under a bridge. I had a, I had a brother-in-law once said, he told his wife, hey, I could just live under the bridge. You know, I'd be, I'm just happy. I'm going to be content with no, and of course the wife was like, are you crazy? So some people think, what are, what are your needs? Well, number one, let's go through this quickly and we'll, we'll end it up here. 
Um, what are your needs? Every need in your household. Your needs are every need that is in your household. First Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yowza. That's the Bible. God said that. I didn't make that up. So when you're thinking about God, Jehovah Jireh, being your provider, know that his provision for sure covers your household and unfortunately your, your relatives as well. Craig, you gotta, you gotta help out and bless your relatives. <laughs> then you'll remain out of alignment and suffer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> gotta watch him. So every need in your household, that is one of your needs, guys. Everyone has it. We all experience, and God will provide all those. Number two, you need enough to spread the gospel. And this gets more into some monetary, but it means more, the whole prosperity thing is not just money, but it's the whole thing. But you do need money to provide for your household. You need financial support to spread the gospel. Matthew 28, you all hear it. Go and make disciples. Church, you cannot go and make disciples with no money. It don't happen. God will provide you enough to supply the needs for your family and to get the gospel out. There are millions of stories where God has uniquely blessed businesses, finances in all ways, and those people have been led to give to people that have gone to different countries to preach the gospel where they've seen hundreds and thousands of people saved, the Bible translated in other languages. It takes money. The gospel does not get out without money being involved. Money's not evil. The love of money is evil. And church, God wants to bless you. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything under the sun, this earth is his. He owns it, and you serve him, and you're in contract with him. You know the owner of Amazon? He's one of the richest guys in the world. I wish I knew him more. No. I was thinking the other day, I was like, what if you were in contract with, uh, I forget his name, did I write it down? Anyway, it doesn't matter. What if you're in contract with the owner of Amazon, the richest man in the world, and you, that contract gave you access to his bank account? Anytime. Would you go and investigate that contract to see what it said so that you would make sure that you were in alignment with whatever that contract said so that you could have the access there? Right? You'd have to make a decision at some point. If it just said, hey, you got to go to 7-Eleven and drink a Slurpee, you have full access. But if you didn't know that, how could you be in alignment with it? And then you wouldn't get access, right? So wouldn't you, in the, in the natural, go, well, yeah, sure, I'd probably want to at least read it and find out. Yeah, could I, you know, I'm like a rich uncle, you know, I get in alignment with it. Well, here we have the God of the universe that says, I have a contract with you. I have an agreement with you. It's all, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Get in alignment with my contract and it's yours. Get in alignment with my contract and it's yours. Because I want you to supply the needs of your household. I want you to be able to bless others. I want you to send the gospel out. I want you to support missionaries. I want you to support the local church. I want you to get the word out. And I've got endless supply. Endless. I never run dry. Number three, enough to demonstrate love to those in need and the poor. Your need, that is a need. God will supply your needs. God will bless your finances enough 
so that you can provide for your household, spread the gospel, and demonstrate love to those in need and are poor. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he's a good person to lend to because he gives back, and he gives back good. The Lord said he will repay him for his deed. God will pay you back. He will provide your needs, but you, church, the need we have as Christians is to supply and demonstrate our love to those in, in need or poor. And the fourth need you have, and this is kind of a fun one, enough to fulfill your godly desires. Ooh, and I put godly in there because I know y'all, and you're going to get all crazy on me. Psalms 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God wants to provide enough for you so that you can be meeting the needs of your households and your family, to spread the gospel and the earth, to demonstrate love to those in need and the poor, and enough to fill your own godly desires. And as I got this point and I was thinking about it, the Holy Spirit very quick, quickly quickened me that we're going to do something right now. And I want you to just to close your eyes, and I want you to think of, uh, close your eyes, just, and that's just a thing to help you concentrate, not be distracted. I want you to think of something that is a godly desire in your heart that you've been wanting to do for a long time that, that it, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be, oh, I want to start an orphanage in Africa, but it can be. But it's got to be a, something that God's put in you and it's a godly desire that you've wanted to do but you haven't been able to do. And a dream that you've had or a, a longing that you've wanted to do something to reach out to the community or, or, or do something with a business um, to do something in order to um, um, reach the, the kingdom or reach the world for the kingdom. And I want you just to picture that in your mind. Think about what it is that you've desired, uh, that you feel like God has made, maybe birthed something in you. And this may, for some of you, may have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, some of you it may have been uh, this year or maybe right even now in this season in your life, you're thinking of something that uh, a godly desire that you want to fulfill, but you just haven't been able to for life reasons. And I want to pray on that because I believe God's will for you is to meet that godly desire. So, Father, right now, and if you just kind of think about that thing that you're doing, Lord, you see our hearts. Lord, uh, you see these desires that are in the hearts of your people. And, Lord, a lot of them have great godly desires that have not been able to come to fruition because of things in the past, uh, circumstances in life. But, Lord, you're the great provider. Lord, and I'm asking right now that you would hold true to your word, God, in Psalms, and that, Lord, as we delight ourselves in you, as we align our soul with you, and we delight ourselves in you, God, that you would start bringing manifestation to these godly desires. And, Lord, I pray for even a small sign, God, of encouragement to their hearts, or even something this week that would show them that as they align with their hearts and they delight in you, that you will start providing in ways that they cannot see. And so, God, I pray that we, Lord, you give them strength and courage and faith to believe for the things they cannot yet see, but you've placed deep in their hearts. So, God, fulfill those needs, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Um, number four, God's will for you is that you prosper. Did you know that's God's will for you? The Bible says it. Are you going to believe it? God wants you to prosper. Look at uh, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul 
prospers. That's the Bible. I didn't make that up. I pray that you prosper and be in health just to the degree and according to your soul prospering, will you prosper in those other areas. Are you seeing the connection there? Huge connection in the scriptures on this. Look at Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore by his fathers to this day. God is the one who gives you the ability to gain wealth so that he can fulfill his covenant and you can go out and reach the gospel, preach the gospel to the world. God wants you to prosper. It's his will. Guys, poverty is a curse and you have been redeemed from the curse. Galatians says that Jesus became a curse for us and died on the cross so that you and me would not have to be under the authority and power and dominion of the curse. And if you look in Deuteronomy 28 that we did last week where we saw blessings and cursings, a bunch of the cursings, over half of them, I believe, are all have to do with poverty. And it is a curse, and God has redeemed you from the curse. Don't forget, church, this. Prosperity is a product of obedience to God's word. Prosperity and I'm, when I say prosperity, get in your hearts. It's prosperity of your whole being. Prosperity is a product of obedience to God's word. My favorite guy, Joshua. Joshua 1.8 says this. And Jesus was saying this to Joshua before he was going into battle. He said, this book of yours, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, Josh, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, once you've done what I just said to do, it will make your way prosperous. This is God talking, guys. And then you will have good success. Where do you meditate on the word day and night? Where do you meditate on it? Your heart, your soul, your mind. You meditate on the word day and night. And when you meditate on the word day and night, it will cause you to prosper. Or you could say, come into alignment. Prosperity comes with alignment. You know, this, and it's interesting in this Hebrew context, the word prosper. The word prosper, you wouldn't think this is what it meant. I didn't either. And I was looking at it going, that's interesting. It, it means to go over attack, to cross, force entry, to, uh, six, uh, to be successful, or be victorious. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then it hit me. Joshua and the Israelites were just about to go in their first battle. And what was their first battle? Jericho. And what did Jericho have around it? A big wall. If you watch VeggieTales, you'd know that. Big old wall. The Israelites were to face the biggest wall of their life. They're going into their promise. They're wanting all that God has for them. And they come up against their first big wall. And it's interesting that in, with Joshua, the Lord said, you will be prosperous. And that word means to go over. And you know what happened to that wall? God didn't just tip it over. 
he crushed it and flattened it so they walked straight over. The Bible says that. They walked straight over. And I'm telling you, when you align yourself with God, you obey his commandments, you align your soul with his flow, you will start experiencing prosperity. You will be able to go over. You will be able to attack. You will be able to force your way into area that has been kept from you. You'll, you will succeed. You will be victorious, church. Are you facing a large wall today? Are you facing a large wall in your mind, in your emotions? Are you stressed out, full of fear and anxiety? Are you having sleepless nights? Are you in constant conflict with people around you? Are you constantly not having enough each month to, in your checking account to make things happen? If that's you, if you're facing a wall, I would say make a soul adjustment. And as you start making adjustments in your heart, the adjustments will flow out and you'll start getting into more and more in alignment with God. And he wants to bless you and prosper you. Not so that you can hoard and keep and have money. No, he wants you to prosper you so that you can give it all away. Godly prosperity is based on sowing and reaping. If you want to prosper, you got to get the fact that God says, what you sow, you shall reap. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. This is pretty powerful. The point is this. Paul said, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, hilarious, a laughing out loud giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I don't know how these scriptures, I don't even need to say anything. And sorry for talking too much, I should have just read the scriptures. Because <laughs> they are so plain and simple and awesome, they preach for themselves. Sowing, uh, get through the notes and we'll, we'll end it. Sowing first, you've got to sow first. Whatever you sow, you reap. Sowing starts with tithes and offerings. We know this, this church knows this, you as believers know this, but we've got to practice this. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in, in your tithes and offerings? You've, you are cursed with a curse if you rob God, for you are robbing me, the whole nation. Bring in the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open windows, opportunities, openings from spirit realm into this realm of heaven and you will pour, and will pour down a blessing on you until there is no more need. That's the God we serve. He never runs out. His vat stores are always full. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be full with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Jesus confirms the tithe in Matthew 23. I don't know if you knew this. A lot of people don't. Oh, Old Testament's for tithing. No. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe on mint and dill and cumin, and you neglect the weightier matters of justice of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, you ought to have done those without neglecting the others. 
So Jesus said, you should be doing what you're doing. You should be tithing, but you got to go on the weightier things of the law, which is justice and mercy. But just because you're doing that doesn't mean you forget the tithe. Jesus said, no, the tithe is legal and right and there. Matthew 23, 23, look that up for yourself. Expanded through offerings in Luke 6, 38, giving, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. You know what, you ask yourself this question because prosperity and having enough and being provided often does come down to money, although it's a complete being transformation. But you ask yourself why. My answer to that and God's answer is because God, God's heart is a giving heart. That's why he wants you to be a giver. He's training you, church. Give, and it will be given. Press down, shaking together, running over. Whenever you give, God always returns it times more. His math is not your math. He gives back more. Why is he training you? He's training you so that you will learn when you give in a pure heart that he will always provide more for you. You don't have to ever worry about being in lack because God will provide for you. And giving also confirms that you're putting his kingdom first. If you don't give your tithe to the Lord, you're robbing God. And thus you are saying in that act that his kingdom is not first for you. Matthew 6, says this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that the heathen seeks, all the things of life, shall be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worry about its own stuff. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Guys, whether it's holiness, whether it's walking in health, whether it's walking in full provision from God, whether it's experiencing this abundant life, it all comes down to this. It all starts and is influenced by being obedient to God's word. Church, I can't tell you enough, and I know we're going to end right now. Thanks, Chris, for playing. Sorry, I, I misled you by saying we're closing. Oh, that's why you came up. I was like, oh, shoot. I said that. I said that. To, I was trying to trick everybody, but that didn't work. No. Guys, walking in alignment starts here, and I want to encourage you guys with all my heart. The most important thing you can walk with today is to get in the Word every day. Get your mind. This is where your soul gets adjusted. I wish I could force it into my head. And The word of God is where your soul makes corrections. It's your navigation. It's where you go in and go, Hell, oh wait, my life doesn't line up with that. I don't think that. Okay, I'm going to make, you're coming into an alignment with God through the word of God. And uh, Joshua 1.8, meditate on it every day, every night. That's twice a day at least. Get on there, meditate on it. Don't let your, um, your eye gate and your ear gates Meditate on other things more than the word. Think about it, church. Are you meditating on TV shows? Are you allowing TV shows and principles of movies and Hollywood into your eyes and ears more than his powerful word? I'm, I'm getting personal, huh? But I want you to think about that because whatever you allow in here and here is going to teach your soul how to think how to make decisions, how to operate, what's normal, what's good. You've got to get the word in there. You've got to get the word on your heart so that you can know what's right and know what to believe so that your heart will come into an alignment. All right, I've talked enough. Let's pray. Father, oh Lord, I just pray today, Father, that you would take 
the words that were spoken and by your spirit, you've been planting it in each one's heart in a different way, in their mind and their situation, their circumstances, all that stuff, God. You've been working on them as individuals. And I thank you, God, for working with each of us as individuals, that you personalize your message to each one of us. And so, God, I pray that no matter how this word impacted the people in this room today, God, that you would speak life into their hearts, their minds, God, about and have the expectation of what you want for them, Lord. I pray that today and this week they would meditate on your word and think about where their life's at and what they're experiencing in the soul-body-mind connection, God, so that they can live a full life that you want them to live. And we love you for that, God, and we thank you for teaching us your word. But only, God, your spirit can really make it rhema, really true food to our, our spirit, man. We can only get that through your spirit, Lord. It's no other way. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you take what was spoken and the thoughts in our minds and make it real and make it manna to our, our souls, God. And Father, with every head bowed and eye closed, I pray, I ask right now if there's anyone here that hasn't made a commitment to Christ, that wants to make a commitment to Christ this morning, if that's you, I always get this opportunity, but if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never come into a contract with him through the blood of Jesus, you need to do that. You can't relate to God if you're still in the flesh. You've got to be born again of the Spirit. So if you haven't done that and you'd like to do that today, raise your hand up and I want to pray with you after service and we'll get you squared away and get you in contract with the Most High God, the Provider, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sikhanu, your righteousness, Jehovah Rapha, your healer. It's a great deal, one you never want to turn down. Anyone here this morning would say, Pastor Doug, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I just want to give that opportunity. Never let a time go by. Anybody at all. All right, Father, we love you. I've obeyed what you told me to do. So, God, I pray that you would bless it and help people get more of your heart so that we can take more of this world for you. God, because I'm going to end praying this. Lord God, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done on earth, in the rivers, in our community, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Um, thanks for giving me a few extra moments here. I keep promising myself I'm going to get better at that, but um, we love you. Have a great week.